This is a Prominence English podcast. Communication skills in difficult situations. Most people want to avoid conflict and potentially stressful situations, as we all are aware that it's a human nature after all. People often find it easier to avoid communicating something that they think is going to be controversial or very, very bad. They try to put off the communication and let the situation fester itself. Well, we have to see that communication skill used in difficult situations are actually termed to be some sort of uh, daily ailments, just as we have got medical ailments. In the same way, communication skill can also act like a life's ailment. For instance, if I could talk about a manager, a manager may hold off telling an employee that his standard of work is unsatisfactory. You may put off having uh, that difficult conversation with your partner, whosoever is there in the office with you as your colleague, as your subordinate, especially if it concerns some kind of wrongdoings or any sort of financial matters are concerned, or even sometimes when it comes to emotional issues involved. In the same way, we have gotten another example of a child. A child may put off telling his parents that he's struggling with classes at school. When in such difficult situations, these things are done constantly, then it certainly leads to unwanted and unexpected anxiety in a person's life. As I talked about the medical ailment, of course there are certain features that can immediately clarify what can be the different uh, ailments type which we can categorize for using the communication skill in a difficult way. For instance, to cause irritation to an individual making himself and his life filled with daily frustrations. He would tend to annoy others in the society and there is a great sense of annoyance to himself as well. At the same time, he might also suffer from hyperaggression and hypersensitivity. So this can be an eyewitness account, but such eyewitness account can be reduced if a person develops more self-confidence. Let us just discuss about how these communication skills in difficult situations can be well-tuned by a particular individual. Well, I believe there are two different ways to tune your communication skill. First is the planned way of communication skill and second is the unplanned way of communication skills. The planned one. Planned conversation occur when the subject has been given some thoughts as they are planned according to a specific time, a particular location or venue, or it can be other circumstances that are arranged on and are chosen for a specific reason. Planned difficult conversations could include asking an employee Planned difficult conversations could include asking an employer for a pay rise or perhaps telling your parents that you are leaving home to live alone or perhaps leaving home to live along with someone else 
although these situations are by the nature very very difficult to accept or consider but they are controlled and as long as time has been taken to prepare and think properly about how others may react they can often end up being easier than actually imagined by us now the unplanned communication skills an unplanned communication skills tends to take place on the spur of the moment these are often fueled by anger which can in extreme cases be extremely futile to both the parties involved in the process of unplanned communication skill there is noticed a strong surge of emotion of a human being that emotion can be in two different form either in a form of a regret or a shame so if things did not go well for you after such encounters it is wise to reflect and learn from your own experiences sometimes such emotions are potentially taken to boost up a self esteem by a human being now after having discussed the well tuning of communication skills by these two different processes we'll be now concentrating on the use of another form of communication skill in difficult situation and that is coined as deliberate communication skills a deliberate communication skill is certainly used at the time of some sort of jobs or any kind of particular role played by an individual and such kind of things are handled always professionally when it comes to deliberate use of communication skill there are four different subcategories that we need to actually understand the four of these elements that imply are the empathy which means an ability to understand and share the feelings of another the second element is most important that is called as the use of tactics the third is the discretion of an individual and fourth is the clarity these are the four important uh, pillars to understand how communication skills can be understood in its deliberate form we have got for instance an example of a politician politicians often have to communicate bad news there can be three different core areas for that either there can be any complication in the department where he has to witness failures of the department then of course when it comes to politics there are huge scandals and thirdly a particular pressure to meet target on time these politicians worry about their repercussions for the self image it is unusual for such politicians to use other people or sometimes they themselves as spin doctors and public relation gurus who can advise alleviate personal blame and find positives in potentially bad news apart from an example of a politician we have got an another example that might include doctors and healthcare professionals now doctors and healthcare professionals have actually received advanced training to have worked in practic in practicing the scenarios to help deliver 
any kind of news which is inappropriate or not good for the patient or for uh, the patient's relations. There is a particular communication of either bad or unexpected news shared from a doctor to a patient or to the relations of that patient who are available in the hospital. This in fact is taken care at the time of the initial diagnosis and prognosis of the problem. Now after understanding the difficult situations in communication skills, we will be working on multiple types of questions. I am including these multiple questions so that we can have the clear picture of understanding how a communication skill actually affect an individual in very very difficult situation. The first of a type is called as the closed kind of question or closed questions. Closed questions invite a short focused answer or answers but they are not always be right or wrong. Closed questions are easy to be answered due to limited choice of answers. And closed questions can be even effective in triggering conversations to encourage participation of others. Especially, uh, it is used for fact-finding kind of scenarios. Immediately after closed questions, we have got open questions. Open questions, as the word itself imply, by contrast, allow for much longer responses for conversations. They demand more creativity and, of course, a very strong sense of information. After open questions, we'll be looking at the third sort of question that is called as a leading question or a loaded question. So what are leading or loaded questions? Such kind of questions are very subtle in nature. It is pointed that the respondents answer in a specific direction and in a certain direction. For instance, somebody may question us, how are you getting along with your new college system? The same thing can be actually said in a different way. How are you managing or coping up with new system of studies? Have you all tried to actually um, work out on the difference of how the first kind of question was actually trying to lead somebody to put more pressure on brain to answer that question? But when there was a sort of a loaded version uh, used by an individual in the second question, so it becomes quite easy where the answer could be very direct and could be miniature at the same time. Sometimes the answer can even come in yes or no. In a subtle way, it raises the prospect that maybe due to your everyday behavior, they are not finding the new system to be so good as expected by them. I've got some other examples with me. For instance, tell me how you are getting on with your new college system. 
it is a less leading question. And the question does not require any judgment as well. Such kind of example can actually be considered where we can involve the parents of the house asking such question to a child or to uh, the other children of the house. Children, as we know, are particularly susceptible to leading questions by their parents, whether it's a father or a mother, and they're more likely to take a lead for an answer from an adult instead if they could not answer the parent's uh, question. In fact, the same could have been asked in a more supple way. They could have asked that child, did you have good day at school? Now such kind of question is pointing towards good thoughts that happened at school. And if the same question could have been shortened more, it could have been rewritten as how was school today? So this part of the question is more likely to get a balanced and accurate answer by a child because the child does not, does not have to take too much of pressure on his brain. Now we are pushing along to the use of another kind of questions and they are called as recall and process questions. Something to be remembered, something to be recalled or a process requiring some deeper thought or some analysis. Let us just understand it with the help of an example. What is your mother's maiden name? This kind of question is actually doing a kind of recall from the memory where it is describing a specific fact about something. Then I've got another example that can be of a teacher. The question can be of a teacher to a student of the classroom. What is the highest mountain according to you? And now the third kind of example, where we can include an example from an organization. The question can be, what skills can you bring to this organization that the other applicants cannot? There can be um, an another question. What are the advantages and disadvantages of asking leading question to children? So these four to five types of questions which I have just intended to use especially to make your memory to recall to process the question before it should be answered so automatically it gives us a sense that the things need to be balanced first before they are to be spoken to be made understood to be made realized, etc. Next type of questions are called as rhetorical questions. Rhetorical questions are very humorous and do not require an answer. They are by design used to promote thoughts. For instance, if you set out to fail and then succeed, have you failed or succeeded? Now please note that they are often used by speakers in presentations to get the audience to think. Individuals who use them can be included as politicians, lecturers of college, 
priests, etc. How do, how do these individuals use such rhetorical questions? Well, they are very smart. In fact, they know how to address a large gathering and they know how to help keep, maintain an absolute attention of the audiences every time they are to address the large gatherings. So they can form the questions as, who would not hope to stay healthy into old age? Now, what can we figure out out of this question? It is not a question that demands an answer, but brains are programmed to make us re remain busy and engaged so as to receive perhaps an another suitable one. So that's the beauty of a rhetorical question, that it does not require any kind of instant answer. In fact, it makes you to help maintain thinking what can be the possibility for me to answer this particular question, which itself may sometimes sound very humorous. Now, the next subcategory is also included in the question category, but I take it in slightly a different way. I would like to name it as funneling, how questions are funneled. We can use clever questioning to essentially funnel the respondents' answers. That is to ask a series of questions that become more or less restrictive at each step, starting with open questions and ending with closed questions or vice versa. For example, tell me about your most recent holiday. What did you see while you were there? Were there any good restaurants? Did you try some local delicacies? All these instances are actually what talks about how things are funneled when you are taking too much of the pain in using your thoughts and then framing up the questions to be asked uh, from any stranger. Now please note that the questions in this example become more restrictive starting with open questions which allow for very broad answers at each step and then the questions become more focused and the answers become more restrictive. Funneling can act the other way around as well, starting with closed questions and working up to more open type of questions. For instance, for a counsellor or for an interrogator, let us just say um, a special CBI officer who is a specialist in inter interrogating an accused in a cell. So these funding techniques can be used by such individuals, which can be very useful tactic to find out the maximum amount of information and to extract more information out of uh, that particular accused. So in contrast, while meeting somebody new, it is common to start by asking more close kind of questions and then progressing gradually to open type of questions asked. Because as both parties are there, they tend to remain relaxed all the time. So funneling is all about making the person who, whom you want to involve to remain relaxed and not in tension or any kind of pressure at all. 
I hope my audiences have truly loved this version of communicating in difficult situations. In my next episode, related to the same episode of today, we'll be working on the use of responses. Goodbye to you.